This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, March 18th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us once again. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who has a very specific contingency plan just in case he ever gets stuck in an elevator. His name is Jerem Jordan. Well, I tried to uh, let Jesse Wade know about this. Apparently, it didn't get it. But Jesse Wade got stuck in an elevator yesterday, and here's Mark Pope talking about it. Jesse Wade is stuck in the elevator. <laughs> Hold on, Jesse. Jesse. Passing the phone around, trying to keep him comfort him. We're trying to comfort Jesse. Make sure that he knows that we're in this with him. Cougar Nation, pray for Jesse Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Extra isolation for Jesse Wade, alone yeah. in the elevator. Yeah, they were like, "Listen, you need to get stuck in an elevator." Uh, he tweeted, "I'm out. Forty minutes feels like a lifetime when you're trapped inside an elevator. All I can say is." Uh, that if you think I had it bad in there, you should see the elevator door after the boys got me out. <laughs> and BYU Basketball posted a picture. I had to capture the moment when we finally freed Jesse Wade from the elevator. So most of the team uh, showed up for that, which is great. So, Break open the door. Good get your see, guy out. Good to see. Well, that's <laughs> not how it worked, but yes. Um, <laughs> he got out, luckily. And uh, there, yeah, he got out, which is great. He got out. So extreme isolation. They're, they're already limited to the one floor. And they got out for some air for the first time, by the way, since Monday, uh, yesterday. We'll talk about that later, but good to see Jesse got up. That was a fear of mine until I was about 10 years old, that every time I got on an elevator, it was going to get stuck. And for some reason, if the elevator gets stuck, oxygen goes away. That's what I was thinking as a kid. Like, oh, uh, there's going to be no air. Yeah, well, don't watch M. Sham- M. Night Shyamalan's movie, Devil, Ooh! if you don't want to be afraid okay. of an elevator. Okay? okay. Also, if you don't like the devil, you probably won't watch that either. <laughs> That's the first advocacy of a uh, you know, church-sanctioned uh, media property saying, mm-hmm. don't watch don't, this movie. Don't watch that. <laughs> okay, I won't. It's on my list of things not to watch. Yeah. We would love for you to stay with us for the entirety of this show, however, because we have a loaded show lineup. Does it really matter who BYU matches up with? On Saturday at Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, if so, who do you want the Cougars to play? Michigan State or UCLA? We'll talk with a Spartans insider about why Michigan State is such a popular pick to not just beat UCLA, but beat BYU and get into the round of 32. Plus, Jerem goes one-on-one with BYU starting quarterback hopeful Jacob Conover, a Kyle Van Noy homecoming of sorts, and casting for the role of Mark Pope in Hollywood. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Well, now the Cougars' March Madness opponent tonight, UCLA and Michigan State, playing the first four, 10 Eastern on TBS. Who would we rather see in the first round, and does it matter? We'll discuss in what's kind of. Kyle Van Noy going back to New England after one season, and a productive one, with the Miami Dolphins. 
and his unexpected release. Van Noy is returning to the Patriots. Two-year deal worth up to $13.2 million. Number 17, BYU Women's Soccer beat Utah Valley 4-1 thanks to two goals from All-American Michaela Coolahan and capped off by a brilliant finish from Rachel McCarthy. Here early in the second half, now the Cougars trying to respond with McCarthy on the run. Rachel McCarthy! What a goal! And the Cougars play. Caught me off guard there. And the goalie, too. Uh, The Cougars play at Pacific Saturday. Number 16, BYU Women's Volleyball beats number 21, San Diego, three sets to one. Senior outside hitter Taylin Ballard-Nixon totaled 18 kills, added seven digs, three blocks, an ace on her stat line. Sophomore setter Whitney Bauer had her fourth consecutive double-double with 41 assists and 14 digs. She also had two blocks, a pair of kills, and an ace. Baseball begins a three-game series at Lemu tonight on BYU Radio, 107.9 FM and the BYU Cougars app. Cougars at 3-11, uh, and 11, looking for some wins. Let's win this series and move on from there. Yeah, I wish they were 13-11, and 11, right? They need 10 straight wins take, to get there. I'll take 4-10 and 10 right now. Wowie, right? All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Tonight's the night. Michigan State, UCLA tipping off in the first four. A couple of blue bloods for the right to play six-seed BYU on Saturday. Never did I think there would be a scenario where Michigan State, UCLA have to play each other just to have an opportunity to play BYU, but here we are. They're not always better than BYU. Let's go, And doing so in Indianapolis. Jerem, who would you rather see BYU play in their first-round game on Saturday night? The Bruins or the Spartans? So what if I told you one of these teams had lost four in a row, had lost by 15 to San Diego State, and the other team in the last three weeks had beaten two one-seeds and a two-seed? Which team would you rather play? Uh, The one that lost Uh, four in a row. Right? Uh, UCLA is that team. Michigan State's coming in on more of a roll. And let's address something Gregor Bell tweeted, which is really interesting. Three weeks ago... UCLA was uh, 16 and five, pacing for a single-digit seed. Stumbled to the finish. In fact, since um, January, let's see, since January 22nd, UCLA is five and seven. They were 12 and two at one point. So da, 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 to the end. Michigan State, however, uh, you know, the last three weeks has those wins I mentioned. Um, UCLA doesn't have anyone to match up with Matt Harms, by the way. The 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 best dude they have is six nine. So there's going to be a six edge advantage there for Matt Harms. Um, and, and UCLA, obviously, a little softer than Michigan State. Just Big Ten ball is just a little rougher, right? Mm-hmm. But go, where did Matt Harms come from? He's ready for that. Like, he knows those guys. He's a year removed. Last year, he played against Michigan State multiple times um, and, and has played them six to eight times in his career. So that particular matchup, fine, that'd be better. But I think, and, and UCLA is interesting, too, by the way. They're one of the slowest-paced teams in the country. They're bottom 25 in pace. So it's more like a St. Mary's-ish which BYU won uh, by double digits in both games. So I would much rather prefer UCLA than Michigan State because the ceiling for Michigan State, or the, roo- the ceiling is the roof, said Michael Jordan, is really high for the Spartans. Battle-tested. Yes, the Pac-12 is a better league than the West Coast Conference in ball, but not much more, right? Um, you know, they, they got several teams in, in the tourney, but it wasn't like a billion. How many teams? The, Colorado, USC, UCLA, Oregon State. Did I miss someone? Did Oregon? Oregon, Oregon five. So, so five teams. Yes, that's pretty good. But it's not like the nine from the Big Ten. Yeah. Okay. Granted, they have two more teams in the league. I would much rather see UCLA. I just, I just think 
when I look at Michigan State and I see wins versus Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State, 1-1-2, one, one, that scares me a little bit. They figured some things out. Because early on, I mean, you look at Michigan State's schedule, they needed to win those three big games late to even get into the tournament. They barely got in. They're one of the last. 15 and 12. They're one of, these two teams are two of the four last teams in. This is a team in Michigan State that lost to Northwestern by 14. What? They lost to Minnesota by 25 and Rutgers by 30? Wait, Rutgers is still in the Big Ten? What in the world? How did they lose to Rutgers by 30? But that happened. Just wildly inconsistent. But as you pointed out, we're talking about a team that has now beaten Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan over the last six weeks. Yes, and that Rutgers loss was January 28th. So it's been a minute, right? It's been a minute. And it came after they had three games postponed. So they had a long layoff. 20 days. Finally came back and then got blown out of the water by Rutgers. So I'm kind of giving Michigan State an excuse there because we saw what happened to BYU after their long layoff. They come and play Gonzaga, and it was not good, right? You play a good team after a layoff, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, difference of opponent, yes, but yes. (laughs) So Michigan State clearly is the team that is – pacing for better things right now like and they could bomb too it just the it's the ceiling is high like UCLA's ceiling eh, you know like they, they, they have some good wins no doubt like top 50 team for sure Michigan State 57 and Ken Palm like okay their efficiency is not great like and Maryland and, and Michigan State lost to Maryland twice in the last five games but yeah. still beat those other elite teams yeah which is which is so yes, both teams reel up and down, but UCLA doesn't have wins versus one seeds and two seeds. True, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that that's the difference. Um, I'd much rather see UCLA. Plus, there's the six seed eighty one tie with Danny Ainge and BYU crushing the Bruins in the second round of, of that tournament. So a little history there would be fun. Uh, forty years later, forty years. It's been forty years. Oh my gosh, um, that's crazy. So UCLA, UCLA. All of this said, BYU will not see a team better than the Gonzaga team that they have played three times this season. Fact. Gonzaga would beat Michigan State by 15 to 20 points. Okay? Yes, and Michigan State would score 39. Right. (laughs) They scored 37 against Rutgers in that game. So I feel like BYU is actually a pretty even matchup with Michigan State, but I think BYU is a better team for sure than UCLA. I think BYU is better than both, and I think the committee feels that way too. Which that's, is why they see them as a number six and number twenty-three, and not in the forties um, like these two teams. Are. There's just something about BYU matching up against the Pac-12 too, for whatever reason, that I like. Oh, it's oh, not, I would it's, love for it's BYU not whatever to, reason. We know to, the reason to end UCLA season. We know the reason. It's because uh, we wish BYU was in the Pac-12 <laughs> and BYU can hang in the Pac-12, right? BYU could compete uh, in that league in football and basketball. I'm not saying they'd win the league or even regularly be in the top three, but like BYU is a middle of the pack Pac-12 team. Absolutely. In basketball, I think BYU would be top four or five. I'm interested to see how Michigan State plays. Not having to travel much and being in Big yep. Ten country compared to a team like UCLA who has struggled and they've got to fly a pretty significant distance. They're not playing with a ton of confidence right now. Yet, Jerem, opening the line from Vegas, our friends in the desert, UCLA was favored to win the game. It, has, sw- it has swung dramatically. And now Michigan State is favored by two or three points depending on you know, which line you're looking at. So yeah, why, why, isn't it, why isn't it more? 
is, is what I want. Why is, well, why is these, it not more? Because they're both 11s. They're both last four in. They're... And there is something weird about those first four games. Sometimes they can. it takes a while. They're super low scoring. They can be ugly. So there's You've described Big Ten basketball. There's something to that, right? Um, so maybe UCLA sneaks out of there, and all of us I'm, as BYU fans, speaking collectively maybe, yeah. are feeling better about things. I'm actively rooting for the Bruins tonight. <laughs> like, I want UCLA to win. I don't – whatever. Like, if it's Michigan State, let's go. We didn't, BYU's not showing up to this tournament to play the easiest teams. As Mark Pope told me Sunday night, we're playing in this tournament to play the best teams. So let's go. And would it be easier on everyone's psyche if it was uh, Drake or Loyola Chicago or something? Yes, but it's a single game, and BYU beat uh, UCLA last year already. Like, it felt like an eternity ago, right? But that happened in Maui. And Michigan State, uh, you know, it's been a minute since BYU played, but let's go. Let's, let's, uh, let's duke it out Saturday night. One of the most intense NCAA tournament memories I have as a fan was sitting behind the Michigan State bench in 2008 in the Pepsi Center in Denver when I was working in Grand Junction, Colorado, and covering some local kids that were playing for Washington State, but they were matched up against Michigan State, and I experienced Tom Izzo for the first time, and it was eye-opening, to say the least. That, that guy is really pretty calm when he's not in the game scenario, but Mark Pope's right. College basketball coaches are all, like, a little crazy. Oh. He was losing oh, yeah. his mind. Oh, yeah. When you rely on 18 to 22-year-olds for your uh, welfare, yeah, I'd go crazy, too. And I know why he talks like this after the games yes. now. Because he just screams the whole he's, time. He's the college basketball duck river. Yes. He t- it's, that's right. It's not Blake's it's, fault. It's not Blake's it's fault. It's not Blake's fault. Jamie Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I would love for BYU to play UCLA. I think it's going to be Michigan State, though. I ain't scared of the Spartans. I just would prefer UCLA. Sure. And – that's what we talked about yeah. when we found out about the matchup. It doesn't matter. BYU has played a handful of teams better than Michigan State and UCLA, yeah. notably Gonzaga three times. So why should they fear anybody? Well, fear is too strong of a word here for these guys. Yeah, and I guess maybe, like, my, I guess maybe that the, the fear word is for the fans. Like, why? Fan, you, you played Gonzaga three times. Why, why are you so worried about Michigan State? Yeah, two should have been single-digit games, by the way. Yeah. They weren't. That's right. They chose to foul at the end. I still don't know why. <gasps> don't foul! Yeah, don't Question know. of the day. Who would you rather see BYU play in the first round, UCLA or Michigan State, and why? At Shea Lawrence C answers, I'm torn. I want UCLA just to hear Spencer Linton do Bill Walton for the next <laughs> couple of days. Unbelievable <laughs> effort from the Bruins just to make the tournament. Won four of their last 11. Incredible. Four of their last 11. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to go with Sparty. Living in Michigan, I would love for BYU to beat Michigan State and Michigan oh. on their way to the Final Four. You brought up Loyola Chicago. Sister Jean bestowed a blessing on BYU. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> bestowed a blessing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she gave it a name and a blessing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, good stuff on the way as we continue with BYU Sports Nation. We now transition to a uh, more somber topic. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, we learned that legendary BYU basketball figure Sean Bradley suffered a serious accident accident on January 20th. Bradley was hit by a car while riding a bicycle a block from his home in St. George, causing a traumatic spinal cord injury that left him paralyzed. He had neck fusion surgery and has spent the last eight weeks hospitalized and undergoing rehab. Bradley is in good spirits, plans to use the accident as a platform to bring greater public awareness to the importance of bicycle safety, but 
just terrible news. Sean Bradley uh, is is paralyzed from this accident. That's very sad. I hate so much that that has happened. Um, but knowing who Sean Bradley is and the interactions he's had with so many people and so many BYU fans put pictures out there and talked about meeting him, it, it doesn't surprise me that he's already saying, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this to bring greater public awareness. Like He's already in that mindset, which is unbelievable because you could go into a very dark place. Um, and so I, I just... I have so much respect for Sean Bradley and his family and what he's going through and how he's already transitioning his mindset to help people. Yes, he has been a helper of people for a long time. Like, he's he's helped the troops. He's helped individuals. He yeah. uh, worked at a, and, and I think even helped, uh, you know, co-own a, a ranch for teens to try and help them out who are struggling with unique problems. My sister actually worked out at that ranch for a little while. He's been nothing but awesome. Um, we did a we did an interview with him a few years ago where he's just so tall we had to have him sit have him sit down yeah. just to be at eye level, right? And just just a good dude. And like the Dallas Mavericks PR, um, you know, tweeted out the information, and he's he's a Mav for life. They said and he's a cook for life. Like he was he's the only one and done in BYU history. Drafted second by the 76ers after his mission to Australia. Like had an unbelievable 92 season, and. Accidents, unfortunately, happen to people. Um, and in this case, uh, left one of the greatest BYU basketball players uh, paralyzed. But the good spirits of, of Bradley um, will, will emanate, right? And it's a, very, it's a very sad story. But Sean is known by, like, every basketball fan in the United States knows who Sean Bradley is. You know what I mean? Like, he's the dude in, he was in the Space Jam. In Space Jam. Like, it, you, you talk about the all-time, like, brands as basketball players and names. Like, Sean Bradley is the tall guy who in the NBA got dunked on a lot, but there was a lot. There was an E60 short about that, and he was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to challenge guys. And he's now challenging this situation, Man. right? So extremely sad. Uh, our best wishes to, to carry Sean and the whole family um, from, from BYU Sports Nation and Cougar Nation. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Lots of love to the Bradley family. Okay, coming up, is BYU found a fan in Sister Jean? And get to know more about Michigan State and who exactly the Spartans are on the roster with studio host Dalton Shelter, Spartans insider. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yo, Taylor Ballard-Nixon had 18 kills last night to help the Cougars win at San Diego. Big win. Best one of the year. To Tangle again, top 25 matchup Saturday, 3 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Last segment, we discussed who we want to see BYU play in their first-round matchup, UCLA or Michigan State. We both hope for the Bruins, but... For me, anyway, I think it's probably going to be Michigan State. And right now it's time to learn some more about the Spartans with one of their insiders, radio studio host for Michigan State basketball. His name is Dalton Shelter. He joined us yesterday on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Dalton, perhaps you know the question that every BYU fan wants to know the answer to, and that is which Michigan State team do you expect to show up against UCLA and then if they win against BYU? I wish I had that answer. Um, it's just been hard to know. I, I mean, and this Michigan state team has been very good defensively. I mean, they, they've been able to really frustrate a lot of elite big 10 teams. As you know, the big 10 conference, uh, it's hard to say they're not the best conference in college basketball this year, getting nine teams into the tournament. 
Um, but it, when you look at this Michigan State team on the offensive end, there have been some struggles in the half-court offense. Uh, take the last game of the Big Ten tournament, for example, where they played against Maryland. 10-minute uh, mark, Michigan State has 23 points. Then during that game, Michigan State has a 12-minute drought where they don't make a field goal. I mean, it's just been kind of like that, inconsistent, up and down. It's been kind of hard to figure out. And, and here's a stat for you if you really want to kind of represent or illustrate that point further. Uh, for games when Michigan State scores 60 points or more, the Spartans are 15-4 and four on the season. The only problem is there's been eight games where Michigan State didn't score 60 points. Wow. I mean, that's, that's really just kind of the – yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just hard to tell which team shows up uh, to kind of go a little bit further down that road for Aaron Henry, who's the team's best player. He leads in just about every single category. Uh, when he scores 15 points or 16 points or more in a big 10 game, Michigan state's nine and one. If he scores 15 or under Oh, and 10 same can be done for rocket Watts this year. He scores nine or more points. Michigan state's nine and zero. he doesn't score nine. I mean, we're, you're looking at a similar situation. So it trying to figure out which team shows up has been a, a bit of a question this year. And, and and it's a big one because we look at the resume and we go, whoa, wins versus Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, two one seeds and a two seed. It's like, holy shnikes, among other notable wins. Yet you see some losses where you kind of scratch your head, but it's Michigan State and it's the tourney and they always seem to do well, but it's the first time in the first four. So what, like where, where is Michigan State in terms of momentum and mindset going into this tournament in a unique setup? Well, and it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster too. So the beginning of the season, Michigan state actually went undefeated through the non-conference went six and no capped off with a big win at Duke. You might remember. Um, and, and it's really interesting as I gave you kind of some of those numbers about Michigan state, not being able to score 60 points, eight different times, their lowest amount they had in a non-conference game was 75. So mm -hmm. that's something to look forward to. It's a bit of a byproduct of big 10 basketball and, you know, just the physicality, how things are done here in the big 10. Um, but then they go through a tough stretch where they start off the big 10 season two and seven. They start picking up wins towards the end and really go back about three weeks ago. There was a trip down to Bloomington. Uh, Michigan state had 26 points at halftime, but in the second half exploded for 52 points in, in the final 20 minutes. And it was done by going to small ball. I mean, Michigan state has kind of messed around with the lineups. Uh, there's been some holes at point guard, some holes at center uh, for, for play throughout the season, but they went small. And, and just threw some athletes out, uh, wing heavy, and they were able to, to score 52 points. That led directly into that number five win against Illinois, the number four win against Ohio State, and the following week, the, the split with number two Michigan. So Michigan State, although coming off a loss in the Big Ten tournament, is starting to pick up momentum where on the other side for Michigan State's opponent, UCLA, they're starting to go down a little bit. They lost their last four and had leads in those four. Dalton Shelter covers Michigan State basketball. He is a pregame and halftime show host. It's not often that a play-in game steals this much attention nationally, but when you see UCLA and Michigan State and the national analysts go, whoa, how about that on the 11 seed line? Um, it, it, paused, it caused all BYU fans to kind of pause and go, BYU, they get a six seed and they've got to play the winner of that game. That, this is unbelievable. That said... Uh, I'm interested to hear what the fan base's reaction on the Michigan State side was to receiving an 11 seed in a play-in game. Well, the fan reaction, quite simply, was, I mean, three weeks ago, if you told a Michigan State fan they're going dancing for a 23rd straight year, they wouldn't have believed you just because, again, we talk about that 2-7 and seven start. It took a, a series of wins against uh, three top five teams in the final 13 days. I mean, and, and you look at that back into the schedule, 
So Michigan State in its final 13 games, dating back to the beginning of February, had seven games against top eight net teams. Six games came outside of top eight net teams. I mean, that's just how loaded it was. So if you told a fan back then, hey, they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they'd be like, really? So they're appreciative of getting in, but everybody's scratching their head a little bit about how they ended up in a play-in game after getting those wins. I'm not quite sure if it completely adds up, but again, there's there's just a overwhelming appreciation for making this happen. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense given how tough the schedule is, but it all depends on what the criteria of the committee that year is, and apparently strength schedule wasn't as big as it has been in years previous. I do want to ask you this question because we hosted this guy in a recruiting tour in this studio before, Matty Sissoko. So he's at Michigan State, uh, a guy that's uh, you know from, I believe, Mali, and uh, went to Wasatch Academy here in Utah. Uh, I, I see he's on the team. I see he averages one a game, has played in 24 games. How's Matty Sissoko doing? He's picked up a lot more minutes as the years went on. There's been games where he's been spotlighted. And, you know, I mean, if you're not from the Big Ten or, or know exactly how the Big Ten plays, I mean, it is just beefy. <laughs> it's physical. It's beefy. <laughs> and and this year, I mean, as good as the Big Ten was, you take a look at, at Iowa. They have the National Player of the Year in Luca Garza, a big who's about seven feet tall. Kofi Coburn, who is just a mammoth, and he's about seven feet tall. Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, he's an All-American as well. I mean, you can go up and down how loaded the bigs were. And Mai was thrown into the mix against many of those different bigs and, and played pretty well. So physically, he's already kind of at this level. Um, just as a freshman, he's just working on edging out and polishing some different areas of his game, but looking for a real, real decent and, and promising future in a Michigan State uniform. Michigan State is a popular pick to beat UCLA. I think they're a two-point favorite in Vegas now, and then go on and beat BYU. Why do you think that is matchup-wise? Well, matchup-wise, I mean, and you guys can maybe help me out a little bit more about BYU, but we are aware, obviously, Matt Harms, a former Boilermaker here in the Big Ten Conference, makes his way over to BYU. Um, From what I understand, because I haven't been able to watch too much tape on BYU, BYU struggled with athleticism, at least what I understand, uh, during parts of the year. And Michigan State's not short on athletes. And there's a lot of athleticism here. It's just a difficult, challenging time to score uh, for this Michigan State group at at different times, like we noted earlier uh, in this interview. So if Michigan State shows up to play and is, is finishing shots, I mean, this is a team that can beat number five, Illinois, number four, Ohio State, number two, Michigan. If they don't, I mean, we've seen some bad losses from this Michigan State team throughout the year. So really, I mean, it's it's kind of a roll of the dice. Is Rocket Watts is Rocket his first name or is that a nickname? Because that's awesome either way. It it is awesome either way. It is a nickname. Um, his first name is Mark, but is yeah, he fast? I, I mean, goes with Rocket. Rocket is fitting. He is lightning quick <laughs> and and can soar. We haven't seen him dunk too much in games, but this this guy is an athlete. Dalton, we appreciate the insight into Michigan State basketball, and uh, I, I wish you luck in your broadcast as you get ready for UCLA. We'll, we'll see if it pans out we, and the we, Cougars are taking on the Spartans. We actually want to play UCLA. I would rather play <laughs> UCLA than Michigan State. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Folks, thanks. I really appreciate you guys. Dalton Shelter on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, good info on Michigan State, who, by the way, just during that interview, looking at So since December 20th, they played a Ken Palm top 100 team every game. That's 20 in a row. 
crazy. In that same span, BYU played five. It was Gonzaga thrice and St. Mary's twice. So, yes. Strength of schedule. Tested, but the committee didn't really value it that much. Well, they had 12 losses. And again, as we pointed out. But strength of schedule. Yes. Yeah. The, including three wins against top five like, teams. Those are great wins. Like, wow. Like, put that up against almost anybody. Like, that's pretty good. This is why Jay Billis is saying, look, that's a good yeah. draw for Michigan State. Yeah. And listen, BYU is a high major as opposed to a middle of the pack or lower end, you know, Big Ten team, but a team that traditionally does really well. Two years ago, Big, uh, Michigan State was in the Final Four, of course. USC is the other six seed that's taking on a play-in winner. And USC beat BYU head-to-head. So it makes sense to me that BYU is in the situation yeah. they are and USC is where they are. Brand recognition matters to people. Yeah, like you're going to get, you know, it's, BYU's not the Shasta of the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Like, they're better. But, Kiwi you know, strawberry, delicious. Cactus cooler or something. We still <laughs> need to do that show, by the way. We still need to do the shows. We still need to do the soda. Like that, a whole hour? That be, yes. Are you kidding me? Like, what each team is in college sports in the BYU circumference of uh, – and compare them to sodas? Ben, write that down. July 11th. <laughs> Coming up. Aspiring starter Jacob Conover on the QB battle and saying no to Nick Saban. Plus, last time Kyle Van Noy played in New England, he got a couple of rings, Jerem. Mm-hmm. Is it going to happen again? This is BYU Sports Nation. No. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Hey, Zach Wilson, ever heard of him? And other BYU Cougars are going to work out for NFL scouts on Pro Day. Two-hour BYUSN Pro Day special coming up next Friday, March 26th on BYU TV. And the app cannot wait for this. It's going to be awesome. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Loyola Chicago superfan and NCAA tournament celebrity. Sister Jean. Sister Jean. Picked a BYU to go to the Final Four in a bracket. Is that a big deal? It is a big deal, Jerem, because Sister Jean has a history of making some good things come true when she projects. No, she missed on Loyola Chicago. She <laughs> said Sweet 16, they went to the Final Four. Oh. One of the players came over after that game. She goes, Sister Jean, sorry we broke your bracket. You could break my bracket yeah, anytime. Keep, keep, keep breaking it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, it's it's fun. If it, Hey, if it happens, Sister Jean, man. I think Sister Jean knows that BYU is the team that's been to the NCAA tournament the most times without a Final Four appearance. And so this is kind of like a hopeful pick yeah. for BYU sake. Yeah, BYU all the way, man. BYU basketball finally able to go outside in Indianapolis after yeah. three days. Jeremy, what do you think Indianapolis smells like to the players after being stuck in a hotel room for three days? Of rich mahogany. No, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it smells like. Uh, it probably I, smells I like, uh, you know, a normal downtown situation. But at least it's fresh air of sorts. Um, can anyone see through the hotel rooms that are in the those rooms with the the banner? big old yeah. banner bracket? Can anyone see in there? Like, are they like it's completely dark? I like they're sleeping until ten a.m. They're like, I couldn't wake up. Or are there even people in those rooms? Yeah. Did they, they just buy out the whole hotel because they got to isolate? Yes, yeah, it does have the cache. <laughs> Clearly. Until name, image, likeness happens. What? Uh, Kyle Vanoy heads back to New England. Will he get another ring? No. Bill Belichick is an all-timer. Legend. Spending a lot of money right now. Yes, he is. And I think New England's going to make the playoffs, but they don't have Tom Brady. They're not going to win another Super Bowl 
until they get an elite-level quarterback again. They need to trade down for one Zach Wilson. They just re-signed Cam Newton. Cam Newton's not the guy that's going to take New England to the Super Bowl championship. No, he's not. also not going to pass the ball on and out 25 yards away. Like, you just, he's not, he's not. No. He's a fun personality. Like, oh, in no the doubt. middle of the game. Oh, you've been watching film, haven't you? Yeah. All right, cool. Watch this. Yeah. That, like, he's fun. <laughs> I like Cam's personality for sure. Really but fun. what I like in my quarterback typically is winning. Um, yeah. yeah typ- yep. typ- not always, but typically. BYU women's volleyball goes on the road. Gets an impressive win against 21st-ranked San Diego. They're going to host the Toreros on Saturday. Was this a statement victory for the Cougars? Yes, best win of the season. Ranked win on the road. Rival. This is the rival in the West Coast Conference. BYU has a loss at Pepperdine. BYU got swept. The next night came back and won an extras in five. This was the best win of the year. And, frankly, the best win BYU could get in the regular season. Yes. If BYU sweeps the season series against San Diego then they're in good position to at least tie for the West Coast Conference Championship because I think San Diego will beat Pepperdine at least once. And this will be the the win, a win, that gets BYU into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Because it's a 48-team tournament. It's not 64. So that win was really important. A fantastic point. They need these important victories because they just don't have very many opportunities yes. to impress. Yes. And I don't know why they're doing a 48-team tournament. That makes it's no sense. It's kind of weird. Is it time to hit the panic button for BYU baseball? 3-11, Jerem. And they just lost to 3-11? Dixie State. I love 3-11. Maybe that's the turnaround point. It's a beautiful disaster. Amber is the color of your energy. Then, and so it's all yes, coming all of, together. All of that. It's yes. all becoming clear now. Yes. So they needed to be 3-11 to, to chill turn to the are, point yes. of turning around. So I'm not feeling like they need to hit the panic button anymore. I, I, <laughs> yeah, panic doesn't help anybody. But the idea of, oh gosh, we got to figure this out. BYU's in league, gonna play LMU tonight. So big game. It's also like a year and six days or seven days away from when BYU didn't play LMU at home. So it's like with the pandemic striking, it's like okay, let's go, let's go. BYU baseball won at Texas. They're they're more than capable. But when you lose in extras to Dixie, it was like 1-10 and going into the game. You're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, they beat Texas. Yes, BYU's not pitching well enough. BYU's not hitting well enough right now. Let's go. The beauty of baseball is there are a ton of games, and BYU hasn't played any conference games yet. Right. Let's, and there is no West Coast Conference tournament in baseball this year. But. Win the regular season, so, you're in the tournament. doesn't so. matter what happens in non-con, so if they can figure it out by then, they'll be okay. Get it going tonight. If they were 3-11 in conference... Then I would that, be panicking. That'd be an, then I well, would definitely be panicking. Well, it'd be over by then. Jerem, Adrian Brody yes. has been cast to play Pat Riley in perfect. an upcoming series called Showtime hair's, on HBO. Hair's perfect. Nose mm-hmm. is not, but that's okay. Yes, it's a beautiful casting. Uh, featuring what the Lakers did in the late 80s era. Okay? It's going to be rated R. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. It made me think... Who would be cast as Mark Pope in a Hollywood movie? Okay, I looked through bald actors. There's nobody that's no. tall enough. But just looks alone, Ed Harris, I think, would be awesome. <laughs> it's a little bit old right now. Stanley Tucci this, would be amazing. This Yoli Child? Yes, Stanley Tucci would be amazing. Okay. Terry O'Quinn, who was Locke in uh, Lost. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. So there's okay. three. But yeah. no one's tall enough. So I went with the tall factor, and I just looked at tall actors. And thought, oh, okay, they, we'll, we could shave their head. Time yeah. to shave their head. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay, what? Jason Siegel, who's a little quirky. He's six four. He doesn't do an American accent, really, does he? He's well, always English accent. Well, I, I, well, Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Oh, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of uh, uh, Jason Statham. Yeah, no, no, no. That's who I was Jason thinking. Siegel from How I Met Your Mother. Yes, that could work. Okay. Yeah. Six four. Yep. 
Jim Carrey is quirky enough to play Mark Pope. Jim Carrey. That's, that's the one. Like, in there, we're done. Jim okay. Carrey's the one. All right. Jim Carrey's the guy. This is Alex Barcelo. Like, he'd be so weird with it. Okay. I did have Will Ferrell down there as well because he's quirky. But but Jim yeah, Carrey's yeah. the guy, right? A buzzed Will Ferrell, like the anti-Jackie Moon would be. He's played a coach before. <laughs> Albeit it was for a Little League soccer yes, team. kicking and screaming. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and Jackie Moon, as you just pointed out. <laughs> Jim Carrey's the one. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's the one. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, prop picks for UCLA and Michigan State. And BYU's starting quarterback hopeful, Jacob Conover, goes one-on-one with Jerem, discussing the state of QB competition in P-Town. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hungry fella? There you go. Peyton? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We've got a men's volleyball radio show, pretty new, called Over the Top. It's Steve Vail and me. We'll take you inside Cougar Volleyball. Saturdays, 2.30 Eastern. This week, we'll talk about the big matches at Pepperdine. Chat with Brandon Oberendero about speaking Marshall Lee's on his mission in Oklahoma City. What? And Coach Sean Olmstead. Alrighty then. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. I just texted Mark Pope about it, so I'm waiting to hear if he has an opinion on that. By the way, we would probably be in this movie. <laughs> Zach Braff would play you. Yes, or or uh, what's his bucket from Scott Pilgrim? Take yes, world, yes, Michael George. Yeah, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name. Help us out. I can't remember. Anyways, that yeah. I hate that one, but yeah, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. And no one told me. Okay, Michael Sarah. Yes. Uh, Matt Damon would play Jason Shepard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he got a good one. And I'd probably I'd either be Jude, Jude Law, Law or uh, a guy who I don't know much about. Everyone tells me I look like him. Alexander Skarsgård is his name. So oh we'll have, yeah, we'll have to look that one up. Is anyway. that is that uh, it? Is that him? I don't know. Is I th- it? I think that's him. Right? Yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. The clown? Uh, Pennywise. Yes. That's a perfect fit. Then I guess. Speaking of clowns, we are a couple of them. But anyway, uh, spring ball continues tonight. BYU's going to practice. Jacob Conover's the new guy, highly sought-after quarterback. Um, wants a starting job. I recently spoke with him on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Jacob, are you having fun, man? I know you've, you've always wanted to go to BYU, and, and you were here in the fall. But now it's spring ball. It's a new season. You're competing for the quarterback spot. How's life? Life is is a dream. I'm having a blast every day. I get to wake up, do what I love every single day. I mean, I can't complain. How old were you when you thought, I really want to play quarterback in BYU? Ooh, probably third grade. Third grade. <laughs> Who Who's the quarterback when you're in third grade at BYU? Oh, man. Third grade? Third and fourth grade? I Growing up, I remember the first quarterback watching. Uh, I remember watching John Beck and then really watching Max Hall. That's why I really liked watching. Listen, you could be the next Valley of the Sun guy, right? At BYU, <laughs> there's a tradition there. Yeah, hey, I mean that's pretty cool. That is I mean, pretty I, cool. Remember, I remember, I remember a funny story with Max Hall when I committed. I saw him at a seven-on-seven tournament, and he just said, "Welcome to the family." And so that, that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah, there's sort of this quarterback fraternity, right? Um, have you already had conversations with former guys now that you are a quarterback at BYU? Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I made contact with Tanner Mangum and Taysom Hill. And then during the Elite 11 process, I was reaching out to Steve Young and just starting to build that, those connections. 
once you get Jim McMahon involved, then it's like the peak, right? I know, like, right? <laughs> and and Ty and yeah, and Ty's coaching now in uh, Arizona, which is cool with oh, yeah. Max and and Dennis and those guys. So that's awesome, man. Okay, so t- tell everybody who doesn't know the story of, um, you know, the pandemic happens. A lot of missionaries come home. They have the chance to go back or not. Or it depends on different situations. You had a chance to enroll at BYU, but as a walk-on, and you chose that. Why did you choose that? Um, it was a pretty unique story. I mean, just working one day, get a call from Coach Grimes saying, asking if I could come up. And this is, granted, two days before school started. And looking at the pros and cons, I mean, there weren't many cons. And my dad and I were like, let's do this. Like, why not go now? Like, what's there to lose? And obviously the financial part was a question, um, being a walk-on. But with the resources and family I had, they were able to back me up. And, you know, that next day we drove up, got to school on Monday, enrolled in classes, and boom, I was officially a BYU student. Maybe you're the first four-star walk-on in BYU history. <laughs> <laughs> you're on Scully now, uh, which is great. But um, – so you're the practice squad guy, which let's be honest, Max Hall, when he transferred, he wasn't eligible to play right away. He was the scout squad guy. So there's sort of this connection there as well. On Tuesday nights, Kalani Stocky would come over for the coaches show. And it felt like almost every week he was saying, geez, Jacob just torched the defense. What was that experience like going up against what became a top five defense in college football? Um, I took it really personally. I had a job and I had to fulfill it. And working with those scout guys, it was our job to make the defense look bad, to give them the best look. That, so on Saturdays, there was no drop-off. That It was almost like just playing against us on during during the week. And it was so awesome. Like getting reps and going against a first-team defense every single day, it was a great way just to get my arm back in shape and just to get back in the speed of things. Do you feel like you're back in shape, or is there still some work to do physically? Uh, right now, I feel like I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. And I still feel like there's about 10% left arm strength. I, I'm still trying to find a little more. Um, but right now I feel great. Remind me where you went on your mission. I was in Paraguay, down Paraguay. South America. How, how was that, man? It was remarkable. Some of the hardest, hardest experiences I've ever been through. But for the time I was there, I knew I had to be there. Did you take a football and did you have someone you could play catch with? I did. I took a couple footballs. My trainer, funny story, was a running back. And – um, he was ending his mission with me, and he wanted to play football again. And so he actually went home, lived with my dad for a little bit, started training, went on a few recruiting trips, actually came up here to BYU. But, yeah, it, it was pretty awesome. So I had, I had a few companions who would throw the rock with me. So you get to the field, and <laughs> your trainer is a running back. You're like, this is perfect, right? <laughs> uh, my mission president's like, all right, come here. Look at, look at his highlights. He pulled up his highlights and showed me. I was like, uh, that's pretty cool. You're like, this was a very inspired uh, companionship. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> We're talking with Jacob Conover on BYU Sports Nation. So you get the perfect situation. You get to be able to kind of watch a couple of experienced guys go through it. And little do we know when the season starts, Zach Wilson's going to be a top five quarterback. Like this ascension was fun to watch. What was it like for you to be in the room with him and learn from him and hope that you can do the same at BYU. Yeah, I'll even take it back a little further. I mean, I grew up going to camps with him at BYU and Utah and other different camps, so we knew each other. And to see his progression, not only physically but mentally as a person, as a player, was super cool to watch. And then to finally be in the QB, with, uh, QB room with him his, his last year, it, it really showed that, you know, this guy's special. And it showed me like on the mental side of things and 
what it's going to take to be a first round draft pick or to go play in the NFL and to fill those dreams. It was, it was uh, definitely a blessing and a miracle. And remind me, are you the same signing class? 17? Uh, I was 19. You were 19, but I guess, yeah, mission and whole, okay. So, you, but you had known him because he was a little older or whatever. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So when you first met him, he's not even, he's not even close to coming to BYU, right? No, he was a corner cannon kid. Just, I mean, already committed to Boise State, ready to rock and roll. And I was at camps with them, and we, you know, butt heads a little bit playing, you know, competition, of course, <laughs> as quarterbacks should. And, yeah, we started building our relationship. That's, that's fun because, yeah, it started differently. He started as sort of this big-time Ute fan, and little did you know he'd be one of the greatest great quarterbacks ever. And, and now you're in the mix. Okay, so tell people, you, you've talked about it. Like, your dad graduates – from BYU, he's got you in his arms like you've always wanted to be a Coug. Yet you explored, as you should have, what was out there. Did Alabama offer you a scholarship? Like you were in Nick Saban's um, office or something? What's the story there? Yeah, they uh, they called while I was at football camp, and they asked if I could come out and throw. And so my dad and I, you know, found out, uh, yeah, why not? Let's go out. So we kind of made a Midwest tour and ended up in the South and went through for Nick Saban. And we just sat down and talked to him in his office, and he offered me a scholarship. And you told Nick Saban no eventually. <laughs> like, hardly anyone does that, dude. Yeah, it was, I mean, in, in the moment, it was like, whoa, I didn't expect it. It was pretty crazy. And then, you know, stepping back, you just got to realize what you need in your life and what's the most important thing and things that are going to help you succeed. And now you're at BYU uh, in the midst of a quarterback competition, which, uh, you know, it's, Jacob, it's, it's bigger than the actual games, actually, the BYU fans, in my opinion. Like, a quarterback competition is the most compelling thing for a daily talk show as well for us, which is just amazing. What is this experience like, and how are you guys getting better as a group? Um, it's a unique experience. I really like it. This was the same thing my sophomore year in high school. I had to commute against two upperclassmen. Um, and just now transitioning into the college level, it's been awesome to see the knowledge from Jaron and Baylor and Soldier and all the other quarterbacks and what they have to offer. And it's just been a mutual almost a mutual competition because we're learning from one another, we're growing, and we're also um, shining, which has been awesome. And we're all trying to obviously be the guy, be the starter. But right now it's about building the chemistry with one another and also showing out every day. And in high school, yeah, that was the thing. You played for a lot of – what were you, a three, three-and-a-half-year starter or something? Yeah. So in this situation, I imagine you're like, I want to play. I want to be the starter. I want to start against Arizona in Vegas, the, the school I'm from, Arizona, the whole thing. Um, yet in the BYU Pantheon, it took, uh, you know, the great quarterbacks. They didn't start early. But if you start early, you sort of get a head start there. Even Zach Wilson, I guess, came in midway through his freshman year or whatever. But do you feel like, and Aaron Roddick has said, you have every chance to, to win the starting job despite the fact you're a freshman? Um, I really love Coach A-Rod and his philosophy. You know, obviously it's going to be the best one who plays. And right now we all have seasons under our belt, a couple of years under this offense, and I feel like there's there's veterans competing for the starting job. Like there's no rookies anymore. Everyone has almost the same level of knowledge. There's a, obviously Jaron and Baylor have experience in games actually, and that's what separates us. But I really feel like it's a fair playing field right now. And that's great because it's going to be fun. And, you know, right now, if you throw any of the three of you in there, I'm like, all right, let's go, man, which is a great feeling in that quarterback room. Okay, well, Jacob, I, I imagine we'll talk a lot more in the future. I have a million more questions, but you probably got to go. So uh, thanks for the time, and we'll catch up later. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's Jacob Connor. We're on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline, Desert First. You know why we show out. Love his swag. Love everything about it. 
Um, I love having three, you know, what we think are quality quarterbacks. I just don't want to burn a year if we don't need to with Jacob. <laughs> so I, I would love it if he didn't play more than four games and we could keep him longer because he told no to Nick Saban. Yeah. How that, about that? That's right. He said no to Nick Saban. And then walked on at BYU. He's the four-star walk-on that might be a red shirt. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Crazy. We'll see. Maybe it's a starter. Like, who knows? Coming up, today's Rise and Shoutouts. And our prop picks, Dick Vitale just made his pick on who he thinks is going to win between UCLA and Michigan State. And Mark Pope told me who he thinks would play him in a movie. We'll tell you after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward. BYU Sports Station always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Time for our Michigan State versus UCLA prop picks. The winner gets BYU presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. First question, Jerem, is this. How many three-point field goals will two teams combine for in the first half? Uh, In the first half, nine. They only average like 13 combined. I'm going higher number. Not good. I think they're going to lay some serious bricks, nerves, weird first four games. So I'm going to say eight. I think it's going to be ugly. Okay. Who will be the game's leading scorer? I've got Aaron Henry, the forward from Michigan State. He averages just over 15 a game. Johnny Juzang, uh, for me, UCLA, at 32 at Washington. Capable of going off. I hope he does. (laughs) And the margin of victory will be how many? Seven. I think it's going to be six. Right now, Vegas says it's going to be a two-point game with Michigan State the favorite. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort comes from the question of who would you cast to play Mark Pope in a movie? He texted me Will Smith. Today's Rise and Shoutouts <laughs> presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. My thoughts and prayers with Sean Bradley and his family. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Wally Joyner. We'll see you tomorrow for a pre-game BYU basketball edition of BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. No time for dinner. Sorry, buddy.